0: Welcome to Self-Directed. We are your hosts, Cecilia and Jesper Conrad. And now it's time to welcome this week's guest.
1: Today we talk to Erica again for the second time. I hope the second of many because Erica is... I'm her disciple, I just decided. <laughs> I really feel Erica is just such a superstar within the unschooling and homeschooling community. Too, because you say things in such a sharp way, sharp and respectful, never have I heard you ever be disrespectful or you can criticize things or people or systems without being hurtful and that is a gift mm. and you just you could cut whatever sentence and it's just shining I like it I love it oh, so I looking you. forward it's, it really is true man we need true. to talk so every. I've week we should totally yeah okay i'll send you an email about that first i have to walk the camino but then we're coming to mexico and we will be in the same time zone which will help a lot
2: okay you have to let me know when you're in mexico
1: oh we're flying december 19th october 19th oh october (laughs) I'm tired. The time zone thing again. October 19th, we're flying, but we are coming up to LA because maybe we should just start there. Should we start there? You're doing the game conference, aren't you? In February. Yeah, yeah, we're coming up for that.
2: Yeah, you should come.
1: Yeah, we are. Show your support.
0: (laughs) It is our plan.
1: So, So, uh, with all the personal things said, we are going to do what we always do, just talk. Okay. And you'll be so easy. We say one word and you talk for an hour and then we say goodbye. Yeah. and Sorry. I've
0: been pondering about a subject and I asked you if we could talk about it. And you said you can talk about anything. So yeah, pretty uh, much. the subject was that, um, well, I'm from Denmark. I am pretty, pretty white. Uh, and you have absolutely a darker skin color than I. So I wanted to ask about unschooling and homeschooling in America as a black person, because what I have been pondering on is if you send your kid to a school, even a, a, a black school, if that's what you prefer for your children, then the curriculum is made by uh, whites. And is that, do you think that affects the black community's choose of homeschooling?
2: for for some yes um for others it's it's a matter of being seen as a child first and then black second um people are are always looking for the black community is so varied and so diverse in experience in in all kinds of things um what what black what a black family is looking for can't be quantified under one umbrella. There's so many different, uh, uh, many, many Black homeschoolers that I know and Black unschoolers that I know are doing it because they want to provide a consistent, respectful, educational experience for their kids. And they don't want to have to break things down in order to build it back up. So they don't want to waste the time correcting. So many many black homeschoolers are homeschooling because they don't want to have to redo or build up their kids after a negative experience. I know for our family it was it was just easier. I I didn't have to cut through all the of the tape there were talks that I didn't have to have. There were talks that I could have and it not be and not affect grades or their position in in schooling. So my older two always went to school. Um they went to pretty elite schools. They did reasonably well, but as the years went on it became harder and harder to get that reasonable experience. And by reasonable I mean um somewhat acceptable. There were always there was always um conflicts with um, subtle racism, subtle classism that we had to deal with. But in the beginning, it was just something that you dealt with. And as um, my children aged, especially the older three, I began to realize that so much of their educational experience in school was compromised, that I wanted to figure out what education would look like without the compromise. And so my younger two got to experience a whole different uh, educational experience, especially the third child. The third child is who I call my by-schooler because he went to traditional school, then he was homeschooled, unschooled, and then he chose to go to traditional high school and college. And then the youngest yep. one was unschooled the whole time, except second grade. <laughs> which is in my opinion if your child wants to try school that's kind of the best, that's the sweet spot because they're they'll, they'll get an academic experience and it they're still seen as children rather than as subjects and academic uh successes Except for when you're a black boy, <laughs> because you 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 become a man right around eight or nine, which is another reason why homeschooling um, works for a lot of families is that that adulting, that aging up of 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 particularly black boys, but black girls are experiencing it at a rapid rate as well. So there's there's all kinds of reasons why. For our family, homeschooling works and for a lot of uh black, brown families, it works. Because like I said, you, you can spend your time having a great educational experience and you don't have to qualify it by the negatives of a bad educational experience. So that's the way it works for me. Make- Go ahead.
1: Explain to me just because. You know I'm from this little fairy tale country very yeah. different from yours. Yes. And I'm white and I have all the privileges in the world. And I find that most kids in the school system have forced maturing like they they're being pushed to grow up too fast. What's mm-hmm. going on for the black boys? Can I say black well, is that? Even- so so, so, everything that's even worse. will you explain that to me because so so, no.
2: so so for a white boy, um there's the expectation that they're boys, and that they'll make mistakes and they'll do foolish things based on immaturity and a lack of knowledge and a lack of you know um a lack of maturity <laughs> for yeah, yeah.
1: Lack hey, of, yeah. we're talking hey. about something like an eleven year old now or a ten year old just a boy. So We're talking
2: about eight-year-old. <laughs> We're yeah. not I'm not talking ten or eleven. I'm talking eight. That's, eight. That's, okay. Like a really that, a little boy. A, okay. Yeah, that's a classic age when it's it it's it separated out. And from what I've heard of school districts, it's getting younger and younger. It's it's as young as five and six. So uh, a five and six year old, um, a perfect example. Um, you take uh the drinking fountain and you decide that you're going to squirt water on people who come by you're six or seven you decide uh-huh. it's the funniest thing in the world you're going to squirt water on your classmates so for 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 a for a white six or seven year old it they would be they would be told that's not the thing to do you shouldn't do that um they might be reprimanded. They may be said, mm-hmm. you're going to have to sit out recess or whatever. A black boy does the same thing and it's criminalized. It, it They're punished. Criminalized. And they're, oh yeah, they're criminalized. It's like, how could you do that? You should have known better. Um, nine times out of 10, they'll be written up. It's It's a whole big process because they should have known better. Same kids, same age. Even in the same classroom with the same teacher, they're dealt with vastly differently. And so you're and always... what would
1: be the skin color of that teacher? Um, uh, It doesn't matter. Does that matter? That doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't okay. matter. Talk. It doesn't matter because BF1.
2: the socialization of the, the decriminalization of black boys is universal. It's not, it's not, oh, um... Occasionally, you'll have a black teacher that will see a black boy and recognize that it's just a boy being a boy. Uh-huh. Occasionally, you will see that, but it's very yeah. rare because the system is set up to criminalize behavior from the start. I mean, okay. you can go online and look up YouTube videos of five-year-olds being arrested or five-year-olds being um, be, having the police called on them. Um, perfect example a, a young girl was um selling lemonade just you know on the cor- on the corner and um the neighbor called the police saying you know that shouldn't be permitted and the police actually came out <laughs> instead of that neighbor being told no uh, a child selling lemonade is not not criminal they don't need a um a uh,
0: He's inspired by card. all the movies you have seen where it's done, and the cartoons where it's done, and it's like... Uh, it, it's, it's like
1: completely normal. It's complete. Yeah.
0: Okay, I felt privileged before, but but now uh, this it, is just it, so
1: bad. It is. It's yeah. It's hard to believe. I know that we have a community of Muslims in our country who experience mm-hmm. somewhat the same. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, you're brown and you wear a headscarf, right. and then therefore you're out. And, and it, many, it's... many, and
2: many, many East Indians in your country, particularly mm. in the big cities, experience um, childhood criminalization. So mm-hmm. something that would be seen as normal behavior, even teenage behavior, normal behavior for for a white stu- for a white kid, is seen as the, the, the gateway to criminality in a, in a child of color. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of universal. The, the less people you have that experience it because of population shifts, the less likely uh, a, a, a white parent or citizen or person will see that activity. The, the more the numbers go up, the more things are made, people are made aware because you mm-hmm. can't avoid seeing it. So mm-hmm. in very in, in most places in the world, I'm not even saying the US, in most places in the world, um black and brown children are criminalized at a very early age. Um the boys will be boys sentiment, you know, girls are are given grace. That sentiment is is not the same for white kids versus kids of color it just isn't and it and it's it's in every country in every situation um it's it's just really really sad and a a tough nut to crack even in the world school community when you're traveling with children you have to be careful how they're seen you have to read the, the read the room, so to speak, and make sure that your, your child is not going to be penalized for the color of their skin. And it's not just no. in the United States. We've had many, many conversations at um, World Schooling Summits about how um, different children are treated differently in different countries. So it's 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 kind of, you know. It's it's less than at home, and I think a lot of the less is you're you're not paying attention as much because you're having all these new experiences. But when you're when you're settled and calm, you can see the differences. So it's yeah, and it's unfortunate. Go so to go back.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, 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 but it would. Then it, it's. Um, I mean. It's a really helpful thing to then, as you say, if you homeschool your kids so they don't have those experiences, so they can be allowed to just grow up as uh, humans and, 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 and be a family. Uh, Well, they don't, they
2: don't have, they don't have as much of those experiences and you're alongside them when they're having them. But even as homeschoolers, we have those experiences. A good, a good example of it is, um, there was a conference that we were at. Oh gosh, it's been, it's been many, many years, like maybe, goodness gracious. He's old. (laughs) (laughs)
1: There was a conference. Yeah, there was a conference. conference.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Hi, this is Cecilia. We're interrupting our own podcast just to make sure that you know that I am available if you want to talk to someone who has lived the unschooling life, who has traveled the world, who has beat cancer, who has been the mother Of four amazing children. Luckily, I still am the mother of four amazing children. I know about life when it's hard. I know about life when it's complicated. I know what you need is probably most of all someone who will understand the special world that you are in as an unschooling parent. Even with your trauma and your personal history getting in the way, What I do really is to be a loving support, a rock. And I do it on the base that I am a trained psychologist. I have worked with a lot of people with a lot of different situations. I am so ready to be your support, the one that you need to get some confidence and be strong in your journey as an unschooling parent. So don't hold back. I give a 20-minute conversation for free. You can talk to me on the phone or in a video call and just see if it's a match. If you want to connect, you can find me on social media or find me on my website, CeciliaConrad.com. If you're a Danish speaker, I have a Danish website, CeciliaConrad.dk, and we can find those 20 minutes and see how it goes from there. And now back to the podcast.
2: There was a conference. Oh, gosh, it's almost it's almost 20 years ago um, where we uh, arrived at the hotel after uh, many, many people had checked in and were settled. We we arrived at the hotel. We literally parked the car and my son jumped out and ran ran ahead of us because he could see some of his friends. And so I had called out to him you need to come get your bag kind of simple and he goes I'll be right back I just want to see who's here. And he runs in mm-hmm. and I I get grab a bag and and follow him because it's what you do. He was he was 12, or 11 or 12. Um and I I'm, I'm, I'm walking in and he is one um security person has his his arm on him and the other one is uh, pointing at him and questioning him. And I'm like, what's going on? And they turn around and they say to me, you know, we've said repeatedly not to play with the elevators. And I said, we just got here. How was he playing with the elevator? And they said, they said, no, no, he's been. And I said, no, he hasn't. I can even show you the rental car receipt, saying the time we left the airport, (laughs) he hasn't been here. And then I started to get angry. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I got really loud because I wanted, number one, everyone around us to know what was going on. And number two, I wanted him to know that I was gonna be big Mm -hmm. and bold, not reasonable and calm. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. I said, number one, get your hand off my son. And number two, take me to your supervisor. Because this is ridiculous. Yeah. And just as I, we were going around the corner, um, more security were coming because they heard me. And they said, what is the <laughs> problem here? And I said, the problem here is uh, one of your one of your um, comrades had their hand on my son, accusing him of something that was not possible." And they're like, what do you mean it wasn't possible? I said, we just pulled up. The elevators are deep in the hotel. They're not even near where we were. I said, it isn't possible that he was playing with the elevators. And I want to know why the assumption was made that he was.
1: Yeah.
2: And everything got quiet. Because there's not a lot of uh, Black yeah. people. And <laughs> <At Nope>. conferences. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there are three or four families And so everything got quiet and all of a sudden I hear these feet coming and it's the manager and the manager knows what's up and the manager knows by the way I'm speaking, I'm an intelligent resourced person. And so he comes up to me and he says, um, is there a problem? And I said, I sure you heard that there was wrong answer, wrong question. And so he looks at his staff and he says, um, What's going on? And they said, we repeatedly asked him not to play on the elevators. And I said, and I repeatedly told them that we just arrived. So we weren't the people playing Mm -hmm. on the elevators. And I want to know why it was assumed that he was. And the manager looked Mm -hmm. dead at me and said, I must apologize. I think an assumption was made that shouldn't have been made. I said, right answer. Right answer. (laughs) And I expect (laughs) compensation for this slight. And he says, absolutely. Absolutely. We Mm. will, we will take care of this. And I said, oh no, you're going to take care of it now, not will now. You're going to take care of it now because my son experiences now. He's he's not experiencing Mm. 20 minutes from now. And he didn't experience it yesterday. He experienced it now. And I want the solution to be now because I want him to learn to stand up for himself and to not be afraid to speak to inappropriate transactional experiences. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I understand perfectly what you're saying. And so he was apologized to, given a a certificate so that he could buy something at the gift shop. And um, they gave us a night free of lodging um, in compensation for the slight. And I wrote a letter to corporate, got another apology, got another coupon for whatever. And 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 i said more than anything i want your staff to be trained not to see race as a as their indicator <laughs> of criminal yeah. of criminal activity especially when it's a 12 year old boy who looked more like an 8 year old because my children are kind of mm. small. I have a big personality and I'm a big person, but my children are not. <laughs> They're, my sons have oh. always been slight and small for their age. So it really looked ridiculous. I mean, it really looked ridiculous. But, and I have to preface this by saying, my son is more Jesper's complexion, blue eyes, black blackish hair. <laughs> So it wasn't even a brown on top black, of it. It, it, oh, They really had to reach for it because he's he's quite fair yeah. and quite and blue-eyed and and it doesn't escape this no. the criminality, no. this assumption no. made that um, no matter who you are or what you, situation is, the first thought inkling, especially for security and people in power is criminality. You're, you're, you're setting yourself up. And so it's, 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 it happens in all instances in all communities and all settings. It's not just school. Yeah. Although school has a um, unique way of reinforcing negative stereotypes and taken as normal. So a lot of, yeah. a lot of black homeschoolers and unschoolers, the first layer of that, um, assumption is removed because you're around caring people but you still see it in good people, in our friends. We've we've had uncomfortable conversations with many of our friends because they make assumptions that we're the good ones and, and that doesn't help either.
1: Oh, <laughs> it no, doesn't no. help that, no,
2: no, no. <laughs> that you set us aside because you know us versus really breaking down the structures of assumption that are so... And, and-
0: Stay with us, we'll be right back. Hey, just a short interruption as I have a small message about some of the things I'm working on. My name is Jesper Conrad. It is my pleasure to invite you to become a less stressed dad. I know how it is to be stressed out. My wife, I had cancer, I have four kids and I had a long career and had to like juggle everything at the same time and it's hard. It's sometimes hard to be a dad. It's hard to be the breadwinner if that's what you are. That's what I've been in our family where my wife have been at home with our children. And it takes its toll. And one of the things that really help is to talk with someone else about it. And that is why I've created the Better Dad Institute together with my good friend Martin Cook. And at the Better Dad Institute, we have dad circles where we meet up uh, once a week and just talk about life as a dad because sharing actually is super, super healing in the process of being a dad. To just hear that someone else is working through the same problems that you are is um, very, very giving. And if you're into more like a one-on-one thing, then I would happily help you and share my experience of being a dad to four wonderful children and having a wonderful relationship with my wife and being a full-time travel dad, how I have juggling everything at the same time, having a career, and how I have learned to get those shoulders down, to to actually be very happy in my life. Of course, the stress can like pop up, but then I have the techniques I've learned and which I would love to teach you. So reach out at the betterdadinstitute.com and if you want to get directly in contact with me, then it's betterdadinstitute.com slash Conrad. I look forward to hearing from you and um, have fun. And now on with the podcast. And I was thinking about the, curic- the curriculum as well. Mm. Um, in schools, I think that might also be slightly turned. Uh, um...
1: Probably not slightly.
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not slightly. It's it's pretty no, no. it's pretty overt, it's very much right a white man. Man story. I mean, that's what it is. And, yeah. and then we're trying some 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 forces are trying to change that, but maybe we should just break it down to zero. And start over right. and let people make their own curriculum. Yeah. And yeah. see what makes sense for them to learn. I think of course we can't relate really being from a white country, fairy tale, Denmark. No, no. But in a way, there are similarities to the ageism problem that mm-hmm. I find sure. my children find very offensive and it's it's nothing compared to, you know, I know. Right. But it is something that has some similarities when just because you're 11 years old you can't be trusted to understand what's going on and just because you're a child it's so clear when we walk into let's say museums we're just at the tate gallery to see william turner um Mm. paint and you have these custodians in the corner and when i approach a painting and look closely because I want to see how the brushwork is. Sure, sure, and sure. It's like this, it's like a few centimeters from. No problem. If my kids do the same, they're like almost running over, grabbing them because they don't trust children to be able to look at painting. Correct. It's, it's not the same, but it's similar. Mm-hmm. And I know how much that pisses off our children when they are being treated differently just because they're shorter or younger. Oh. Yeah. To not be now imagine, with
2: imagine, so imagine if you have imagine
1: if you have that. So the
2: assumption that you don't know anything, and mm-hmm. the same child, the assumption is you're older, you you should know better. <laughs> so so yeah. you're you're classified yeah. a child. Yeah, going on, on
1: top of each other.
2: Yes. So there's there's wow. a lot of oh, oppression is known by everyone. Everyone has a piece. Something that is is othered. Everyone has it. Even the richest person, oh, they're they're um not as well educated. They have a lot of money, but they're not as well educated. So we're gonna talk down to them. Or a child where you're young and or you're old. Um you're they there's age discrimination. You you won't understand this. You're old. I'm I'm experiencing yeah. that the invisibility of being uh older. Um, and then the immediate, um, I'm seen for my um, skin color as a criminal. So I'm followed in the store, but I've never helped because <laughs> I'm old. So it's like, and I won't get a good sale out of her. So it's like, I want the person who follows me around to help me, to actually to actually put me first in the line to get me out of the store. I mean, I want the convenience of having a a, per, a person following me around for help. So I almost want to go up to security and say, will you hold these bags? <laughs> because if you're going to follow me around the store, you might as well be useful. You know, those, <laughs> yeah. kinds, of, those kinds of things. It's it's It's, it's, it's incredible. I'll I'll go up to a counter with all of my packages, wait in line, and then the person behind the counter will point to the person, three people behind me and say, can I help you? And I said, damn. And in those instances, I always say, <laughs> damn, damn. I wish I was at the bank. That's where I want to be invisible. So I can walk into the vault, yeah. get the cash and leave. Yeah. I don't want to be invisible at the cheese mongers. I don't want to be invisible at the no. department store. I want to be invisible at the bank, so it can work for yeah. me. You know, it, it's it's yeah. it's it's a it's an interesting dichotomy. But you're right. Any kind of slight oppression based on someone's ideal of you versus you, the actual person, mm-hmm. any dehumanization is is felt in such a particular way. And it could either make you very sensitive to oppressing others, or it can make you desensitive to oppressing others. And it make you angry. And the next time when I'm at that age, I'm going to be the one that mm. stops the child mm. from getting close to the page because it was done to me. Or I'm going to make sure I don't do that because it was done to me. It's, 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 it's the level of empathy and education and um uh, Communication that makes it so that that stops. Like I've been told very often, if I'm in a place and there are there are children present, I almost become childlike. I I I get to their level and find out how I can use my height, age, and experience to elevate their experience, and I show them the way. So I'm and I and I talk about it. I don't just do it and and they're the benefit. I I let them know, I don't have to do this, but I choose to do it because I want you to have an elevated experience like I'm going to have. So letting the younger generation know how you can use your privilege to help others is just as important as using your privilege to help others. If they don't know what you're doing, it's it's for not. So I always try to point out, to, to, to young people that I'm helping, to old people that I'm helping, to anyone that I'm using my particular privilege and who knows what it is because it changes. Um, I let them know this is how it's done. This is how we community mm-hmm. build. I think there's a lack of yeah. communication by good people. I think good people just do the work and they don't explain what they're doing. And so therefore it's taken for advantage and for granted versus it's, it's enveloped by our community. Like I've been to Denmark several, several times. I love the country. It reminds me so much of where I grew up. That in Stockholm, because Seattle is platted, kind of like Stockholm. They're they're yeah. v- very much straight lines. You know where you're going. The second you get somewhere, you you're almost guided by GPS to go to the right way. Whereas in Denmark, there's the, you meander a bit, but it's still a very cohesive meandering. There's purposeful, very few dead ends. There are very few ways you can go wrong in, in the major cities. I don't know about the small towns, but in the major cities, there's no, there's, there's very little, oh, gee, where am I? You basically can find your way around. Seattle's a lot like that because of the hills and everything. Um, you really try to avoid, <laughs> you really try to avoid the grid that takes you up hills and all this stuff. I'm I'm talking as an older person. But um when I'm when I'm in country, when I'm we in school hills
1: in our country.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's <laughs> the it's a Seattle dream. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because it's a dream and now when you're a little bit elderly, you know you it, no hills. It's all flat. It's everywhere. It's Sorry, like it's, it's 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 it's
2: like I moved from from Seattle um, to Connecticut, which is very flat, very, um, th- what they call mountains. We don't even call hills. Um, and then I moved to San Francisco, which is, you know, the hill capital of the world. I mean, I feel like I should be yodeling every t- every time I leave, leave my house, the hills <laughs> are so high. Um, but I, what I've noticed about the Scandinavian countries is there's a lot of assumptions made of empathy and kindness. There's a lot of assumptions made by um, by Danes and by Swedes that uh, it's kindness first, it's empathy first, it's community first. And that can be a good thing. And it also can be a, a curse because the assumption that you're going to conform is very strong and powerful. So along with yep. the empathy and the more humane comes the assumption you're going to do it the way it's always been done. And if you want to change things up because everything can be improved, uh, if you want to change things up, you're seen as an interloper, a, a disruptor of, mm-hmm. of progress. <laughs> and by progress, I mean, we've done this for 500 years and we're going to do it for 500 more. And if you want to do something different, you need to leave. Instead of saying, huh, let's embrace something new and make what we have even better. it It gets mm-hmm. to be a little difficult to confront what always was. So you have a lot of expats from Scandinavia that are all over the world simply because they didn't want to conform to what always was. And they want to bring that level of being able to forge their own path, being able to do their own thing somewhere else. And for the better, um, in a lot of the communities the Scandinavians are in, it's for the better. It it improves everything that we're doing. but. on the other hand, you, you have this dichotomy of we're idyllic, special, and important, but we can learn from the people who can't live in that system. What what, what do you desire to be better? How do you desire to make it better? Uh, we can learn from yeah from countries that are successful at taking care of their citizens and giving their citizens a proper education and an opportunity to branch out. Because anytime you leave your country for another country to live, it tells me your country prepared you well for going out on your own. So, But also, too, it lets me know that growth in your instance can't happen there. So what's what needs to change? So you want to leave, not you have to leave. And I have a lot mm. of expat friends from all over the world that say I had to leave because I couldn't do yeah. this, 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 this. I couldn't live this, 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 and this. So it's all.
1: it's, well, it's you're talking all... To some... <laughs> We're sitting here in our van in France. <laughs> we,
0: had we, to leave. we had to leave. We had to yeah. leave at
1: least yeah. for a while. But it 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 needs to be
2: that leaving needs to be understood because it's helpful for the rest of the world to understand Mm. there's no idyllic place. It's always participation. It's always choice. Mm -hmm. If it's if it's none of that, it doesn't matter how idyllic the place is. If there isn't a choice to express yourself in the way you want to and you're encouraged to grow in the way you need to grow, there's room for improvement. Even the best places. There's always there's always there should always be introspection. There should always be thought. How can we be better? No one should be able to rest on their laurels.
0: No. And we today, earlier today, we recorded a podcast, which will be the one people can hear the week before this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a wonderful man named Randall from UK, who are acting uh, for the unschooling and homeschooling movement um, mm-hmm. in UK. Wonderful fella, uh, and with him we had a long talk about family. How for him, unschooling and homeschooling is about setting family first, mm-hmm. and 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 not. Yeah, there is this. <sighs> Families are being broken apart by the school system in a yes. way that is, is is starting to, I'm starting to understand it on a deeper level, I think, now. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts about homeschooling and unschooling and, and the families.
2: Uh, well, w- you have to go back to the 1840s and the Industrial Revolution and the capitalization and the monetization of everything. Because before, before, before the the uh, industrial revolution, what was monetized was pretty much uh, rich versus poor. So the poor people um, were in survival mode, and and they basically were monetized by the upper classes. So your worth was based on what you could grow, what you could provide for the upper classes, not even the royal let's let's take them out just just the upper classes so you have the landholders and the landowners and you have the workers and and the worker uh grew enough crops to feed its family and then what was left over was uh monetized so that they could get seed to grow crops They basically it was hand to hand to mouth it wasn't I'm gonna grow this so I can buy a farm and set myself up no. for whatever. Then the Industrial Revolution happens, and all of a sudden, everything becomes a commodity. Everything is monetized, including children. And so the school system was set up based on that monetization. So you come into the school system. They first decide if you're going to go past fourth grade and then past eighth grade and to university, whatever. That's decided very early on. By family standards, by your quick wit, by your ability to impress someone, if you go all through your life and you don't impress that person at at four, six, eight, ten, you're the die is set, and you're going to either be a worker, or you're going to be a, a manager of workers, or you're going to you're going to elevate yourself out of your class situation. But they made sure that elevation was difficult by schooling so they told you very early on what you were capable of irregardless of any kind of personal experience with you they looked at your family structure they looked at what your father and grandfather did and they decided for you this is what you're going to be your monetization level was was this and your expectation of improving your lot was nil maybe it was two percent maybe it was five percent maybe it was or maybe you had a spark You found somebody who believed in you that was upper class and they pulled you up. Everything was based on that monetization. Now, come into the 20th century, the the Industrial Revolution is starting to wane. And that's why we had wars, by the way, um, to thin the herd and to make things scarce. Um, The education model didn't shift. We were still labeling, classing preparing people for different tracks. Once the industrial revolution got to the point where we were producing much more than we needed to consume, which has been the last almost hundred years where everything is grossly overproduced. There is no real need in the world. There is no real need in the world. There's, there's enough food being thrown away to feed everyone in the world three times over. So it's been determined Droughts, uh, all the excuses they give for hunger. It's just bullshit. OK, to, to just be blunt. It's just it's just greed based. It's monetized based. I'm not going to give away my product. I'd rather burn it, destroy it, trash it, than use it to yeah. for good because the capitalistic system, the monetization system won't work if everybody's satisfied if everybody's well-fed, if everybody has a place. So how do you reinforce that? Through education. So you say that there are are good schools and there are great schools. You say there's there's good opportunity, there's great opportunity, and you monetize being a criminal. That's what's happened in the United States. We've monetized our prison system. We've monetized our justice system. The more criminals we have, the more people in prison we have, the richer that class of people gets. And we don't educate against that class. As a matter of fact, we educate to perpetuate the prison system in the United States. So everything has been criminalized. The most simplistic things that 50 years ago were handled as just bad behavior and you you stay after school and you you work it off with a crazy maniacal teacher it's now it's now criminalized if you if you are truant if you skip school it's it's a criminal offense not only for the child but for the parent it's we've criminalized so many things that were naturally handled by the family um and we've enforced impossible conditions on families. So we require all the adults in the household and anyone close to adulthood to work outside of the household. We don't um, provide for or even encourage someone to be the keeper of the family and someone else to be the monetized person that brings in the income. That's almost impossible in many places in the world if not most places in the world it's very very difficult to have someone that's the keeper of the family and so what has happened is education comes in and decides and 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 professes to be that familiar structure that in generations past was your your grandmother was your aunt was your mother or your father or someone in your family or even the neighbor. Um, And it was local and it was close and it was very, very um, human. We've we've gone from that to a system and a process of educating based on the dehumanization and based on you being a product rather than a human, (laughs) rather than a person who belongs to a family. So, In some instances, school, education was and still is for many, many people in the world that ticket out of an oppressive system. But for many, many others, it's the exact opposite. It's their ticket into a place where they're dehumanized. So trying to find that balance. The young women in Afghanistan that want to go to school um, is juxtaposed positioned against the uh the young danish child that just wants autonomy so that they can grow up with their family intact and we have those two images bumping up against each other and what's taking advantage of that difference is the folks that want to maintain um oppression and oppressive systems that monetize everything and they're 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 happy to see us looking like we're working at cross purposes when in actuality it's the same purpose which is humans their humanness being honored and we're
1: yes.
2: we can homeschool we can take out pluck out you know 10 11% of the population of the world and give them a world class first nations educational experience. I I can, I can. did that for my kid. Uh, you're doing that for your kids. But what will be the real effect? What will be the real effect if we don't reach out beyond ourselves and say, I want something better for the kids that can't be homeschooled? Because there's hundreds of millions of kids that will never have the opportunity that our kids have. So how do we improve the world so that even those that don't have that opportunity still are in a humane environment? So I get, I get a lot of flack because I'm all about education on all levels, not just homeschoolers, unschoolers. I would love it if the whole world was unschooled. I think a lot of our problems would be solved. I think a lot of diseases would be cured. I think a lot of things that are wrong in the world would be righted. By unschooling. I absolutely believe that because unschooling for me is taking your talent, your propensity and just going as far as you can with it. And I think with that kind of encouragement, a lot of things would be solved. The reality is. Most people are going to go to a bricks and mortar school or no school at all. That's the reality. Most people will be educated in this rudimentary, uh, oppressive manner, or they will have no education opportunity at all. It it seems to be that's the way of the world. And as long as, you know, what is it, 48 people, 48 people in the world have 90 percent of the wealth. As long as that's a thing. It's going to be very difficult to extract ourselves from a system that is absolutely failing us the world over. It starts with, with this imagination of borders. It starts with telling people you can't live here. If you're not this person, you're not this citizen. You weren't born here. You it's all so ridiculous. This planet is so small. It it kind of made sense 200 years ago when it took you, you know, a month-long, a two-month-long voyage to get somewhere else, but if I can get on a plane and in 10 hours be some completely on another side of the planet, we need to start talking about how realistic is it to to tell people, oh, you're in an undeveloped or underdeveloped place, and you have to stay there, even though the developed places took all your resources (laughs) to create.
1: (laughs) yeah
2: yeah I mean I I, I don't understand why I, I do understand but I like saying I don't understand because maybe maybe one person one more person will listen because they can tell me <laughs> i I'm always saying if you wanna if you want to know what someone knows have them teach you what they know let them be your teacher not you teach them but let them teach you and you'll find out what they know and what they don't know. And what their propensities are and what they aren't and i so i would really like someone to explain to me like i'm in kindergarten why if you're in a country that was a colony of another country why you can't go to that country and and claim citizenship and claim participation because they exploited your country for generations for centuries you should be able to say oh i i was a part of of italy or portugal or denmark or whatever i was a part of this system of colonization they they took the resources and they you know developed their countries quite nicely i think i should be able to come Mm. i should be able to come and and try my luck and if your answer is no you're poor you don't speak our language you don't look like us then i think Those people should be allowed to go to that government and say, we need our resources back. Not those exact things, but a monetary. So you can support us for 200 years at X, Y, Z number of dollars and cents. So we can build up our infrastructure so we can build our schools and build our farms and build our roads and our energy systems and all of the things that you took 200 years to do with our resources. I say you give us the same amount of resources and the same amount of time to develop our place. And then, then you have an argument. What happens is Mm -hmm. whenever the resources come to these places, guess who else comes? We're seen as um, expats. In in Mexico, in Mexico, Americans are seen as expats. A Mexican that wants to come to America is seen as an illegal immigrant. But (laughs) Americans going to Mexico, oh, that's that's smart retirement planning.
0: (laughs) That's that's a great
2: thing. That's a great thing to do. That's a great thing to do. It it, it boggles the mind as as long as it's the oppressive country. Developing in oppressed country, it's all good. You should be happy to have our money. You should be happy to have our money. But if it's in the reverse and they're bringing something of value, they're work. They're willing to work in the fields. They're willing to invest in businesses. They're willing to be here and contribute. All of a sudden, oh, that's a horrible thing. And I, it just boggles the mind. In the twenty first century, we're still treating migrants treating people who want to live other places as if they're pariahs versus yeah. if the if the ruling class wants to go anywhere in the world it it's it's a boon it's it's investment <laughs> it's all these great <laughs> things it's like okay oh, come man. on you know come on yeah. but at the same time we 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 just can't get away from those those clannish structures of who belongs and who doesn't belong. And the great American experiment, which to me is, is just on the prefaces of not being anymore because there's so much rampant misinformation, rampant just out and out lies of what it is to be an American. Um, I just don't, I'm hopeful that we can pull ourselves out of the spiral, but I'm not convinced. I'm hopeful, which is kind of like a dream, but I'm not convinced because we're we're so busy looking at what's great. Just like in Denmark, there's so many great things about Denmark. But if you're not looking at what's not great, the great things won't last long. You've got to be you got to have your eye on what makes it hard to be here. What makes it hard to, to raise a family here? What makes it hard to be to be an individual here? What would make it better? How can we improve ourselves? The minute you sit on what's good, the bad just bowls over you because they're always looking for opportunity.
0: For example, Denmark is praised for the social security system and, and all that. But one of the things I see is that by having such a secure country, it mm-hmm. also makes it not my problem when my mm. family members uh, something happens to them. When my yes. parents get old, ah, they will pay, they have money. There's a nursing home; they can go through it all, paid through yes. the taxes, which actually makes me not wanting to care. Yes, I do not want to take care of them because I've been raised in a. It's not your problem when they grow, grow yes. old. Yes. yes, it's the society's problem when they grow old.
1: But even our parents are raised in that culture, and they think yep. that they shouldn't bother us. I just yes. got know today that my dad had been in the hospital the past two weeks. No one told me until yes. he came out. Yes, just yes. because it shouldn't be my problem. I would very much like to know that. You know. <laughs> um but the dehumanization of of womb to tomb
2: health underlying all of that is the dehumanization it it turns people into commodities and and mm. of course i went to the hospital i could go to the hospital i had good care what why should you know that's my business it, that separation yeah. that dehumanization everybody sees it with children But no one sees it on the other end with adults. And and it starts Mm. with children being uh, a part of rather than belonging to. And when I say that, people are like, what do you mean? I said, being a part of something is easy. I can put rocks in a pile and they're a part of the pile. But belonging to something is completely different. I'm going to care about what happens when you belong to me. If I'm oh, a part gosh. of something and everything has been conveniently taken care of, and you've been convinced because you have high taxes and all this social care, you really are free to be yourself. No, you're not. You're free to be yourself as long as nothing's wrong.
1: As long as you have yeah. no need, it's all great. But how many and you're have- free to be yourself as long as you do it within that structure of the way you can be yourself.
2: It goes back to what I was saying about, it goes back to what I'm saying about systems that we, we admire everywhere. All systems have flaws. Once you remove Mm -hmm. the humanness of the, of the system, once you take out the humanity, all you're left with is a commodity and no Mm -hmm. human will always fit in that commodity, in that, in that form. As long as you're, Healthy, well, able, fill in all the blanks. It seemingly looks like it works, except no one's ever always in that spot. You either have a grandparent, you have a parent, you have you yourself. You're going to fall into need. And then the system really shows itself.
0: But, but Erica, and now I will place the future of the world on your shoulders. <laughs> uh.
1: Erica for president.
0: Erica for president. A yeah.
1: universal thing. No, no,
0: but it so wouldn't. It, would, it
1: wouldn't. But, it no, wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. But all my that question power?
0: Is, yeah, no, no, but the question is, Erica, mm. uh, seeing the problems, that's a, a good thing. It's it's start of the waking up. Part of my T schooling is seeing and then understanding it. But then we all, should also talk about how do we rehumanize uh, even on small scale. Mm-hmm. So what 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 are your suggestions of what we can do?
2: So so for me personally, on on a small scale level, on a couple hundred people, um, Lainey's World School of Family Summits, uh, the yeah. intimacy of those five days, the ability to talk to people from different places, whose goal is to is to be world citizens. And to participate in the world, not just in their little pocket of joy or whatever, but actually to move around. Um, those are perfect examples of giving people the opportunity that have the means, because that's who we're talking about, where change is going to come from. I'm sorry. People that have means, raising people that have means to look at these things, uh, these structures, and try to break them down. Um, that's the to me that's the only way it's going to happen it's 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 not only people who are impoverished and are being crushed by the systems but the people who can relatively move with ease so even after all that i've talked to you about on the on the large scale of things we have a successful family people are doing what they can do to survive they're not they're not wildly rich um they're not thriving at times sometimes there's a struggle but in comparison to uh, most of the world, we're golden. We 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 can travel. We can do what we need to do and what we want to do. If people of means start getting together to expose themselves to other people of means to see we have the same commonalities, we have the same um, flaws in our systems of governance. We have the same flaws in our system of family structure. Let's get together and and set some examples out in the world. Let's talk about and then reseed where we go, talking to other people about our experiences. Yeah, uh, two million people are not going to be able to attend a World School Family Summit, but if those... 200 or so, 400 or so, 600 or so people that get together for the five days, they go back where they come from or go back to where they're going and and yeah. see that and say, oh, there's another way to do this. And here's what I learned talking with, you know, this person from Singapore or that person from Australia or that person from Morocco. Here's, here's what I've learned talking to them because I have real live lived world experience. Not what I'm being fed through the media, not what I'm being fed through TikTok or YouTube, but I've actually spent time, broke bread, watched the family structure and how it works and doesn't work live, in person, real time. How I've had this conversation with you because I met you. See what I'm saying? That actual live Mm -hmm. human contact. We have to encourage that. And Zoom helps but we got to get out of the fantasy of getting it in sound bites it takes time to develop couple of days to feel comfortable talking with somebody on a real life basis i'm i'm unusual you're unusual and you could strike up a conversation with someone and and feel comfortable extending that conversation beyond most people aren't comfortable doing that and recognizing that most people need time and an innocuous um, event so that they can be distracted by the event if the communication doesn't work. Um, Recognizing that that's how a lot of people operate is the first goal to seeding these ideals out in the wild, out with different structures.
1: I think that what you're saying is really important. It only takes a few people to make a big change. Absolutely. it's, It's true. And you said yeah. that Laney's World School Summits really brings people together from everywhere to talk about how can we live a life of freedom, a meaningful life where things make sense and we have respect and kindness and, and uh And we're contributing. Exactly, and we can be part yeah. of something bigger than just you know um doing And what I we're
2: also think about. it was important um because they're doing work with teens, which I think is Awesome and really important, but I also think that the family, the the fa- the familiarness of the family summits is very important because people got to see grandparents with their family They got to see family structures, and mm-hmm. most things that efforts for improvement of our societies are based on age. Uh, Gender—they're all separated out. It's very rare that you attend something and it's the whole family. The kids—the kids have an opportunity to bond with other kids, but they also get to see other parents bonding with their children, and they get to see the whole family structure outside of you know you guys in a bus or or the people in 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 uh in hubs all over the world. They really got to see people that we're doing this as a vacation or that we're doing this full time as road school or as world school, or they were doing this, they were dipping their toe in to see if it's something they could do. That was so important for the young people to see all these different options outside of their own family and outside of what's normal. It was so healthy to be able to see. I had so many young people come up to me and say, you were really helpful with this. I, I liked your talk about that, but what I like most is you don't have kids and you're here. Mm.
1: You,
2: you don't have, you don't, you're not here as somebody's grandma. You're here as a world citizen that wants to be seen and wants to see how the world is developing um, for the next generation. I, I want to be the seed of the tree I never see. And that's, Really hard to get at these days. Everybody mm. wants to see the fruit before they contribute. Like, will I get? Is is it fast growing corn, or is it an oak tree? Are you are you an acorn, or a corn, or a, a corn kernel? Most people mm. like to be the corn kernel because they see their progress at the end of, of, of a very short time. I, I'm an acorn. I, I'm I'm planting seeds for trees I will never see the shade of, I will never experience. But hopefully, mm. my further generations, and even if there's no further generations, if the further generations of the world see my acorn, my tree, my effort, even if they never know my name, I I I don't. There is no greater glory for me. So I'm hoping that we all can reach out and give whatever we can give to changing structures and systems that don't honor the family and don't honor our humanness. I'm hoping we can change. I'm hoping we can change the world by homeschooling, unschooling, world schooling. I'm hoping we can change the world. I'm hoping even if the desire is only to watch us there's change in those, in, in watching the YouTubes, the podcasts, even if you never leave your home because of financial family, whatever circumstances, knowing that this exists, knowing that this is possible, that that has to be a part of all that we do is, is showing people the possibilities because that's, That's all I'm doing now. In the fourth, fifth, sixth act, I can't even keep track of how many acts I've had. (laughs) I'm, I'm, it's, 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 it's amazing to me um, how quickly time flies. Oh, I I say this, I say this to every person that has a young person in their home. The days are long, but the years are short. You will. Not believe how quickly. I mean, my youngest will be thirty-one in a couple of weeks, and I'm like, I remember when he was drooling.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> I remember wonderful like, baby. He yeah. needed me for everything, and and now it's like, but, let me get a phone call every once in a while. Just let me know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> kind yeah, of yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. 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 that, Erica. Uh, it's about time so I would say it has been such a big pleasure and I think we again should continue the conversation have to do Oh, right. absolutely, because we need more Erica and <laughs> we need <the laughs> to we we want to do our little part in in putting some water and sun on the acorn so it can grow strong
1: I appreciate your time. That, that that image of the oak tray really gave me some hope. I'll take that with me. Last time we spoke, I what I I still have like an echo is the kindness talk we had, and I yeah. will think about mm-hmm. what I do with more hope because mm-hmm. you're right. Uh, the impact is reaching far, and sometimes you just can't see it here and now. So. Right. Right. I'll think about my kindness and my oak tree, and then we'll talk again. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you liked it, then please share it with all your friends and family. We would also love it if you gave our podcast a review. Thanks. And if you want to support our podcast and work, then you can find us on Patreon.com/slash/TheConradFamily. We will continue to travel full time, and if you want to tag along, then please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Conrad Family. And you can also read more than hundred blog posts on our website, TheConrad.Family. Until next time, make a wonderful day. Thank you.